Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 20. How many of you know that the word of the Lord should not just tickle your ear, but it should challenge the attitudes of your heart? You see, the word of the Lord always comes in the form of a blessing, but that blessing is always packaged in the form of responsibility. I heard an old preacher one time say, he said that the weight of the blessing is equal to the weight of the burden of the blessing or the responsibility of the blessing. And I certainly believe that there's some truth in that. But I believe that if we look at the responsibility of our faith as a burden, then we will see the responsibility of our faith as an overwhelming task. And then we'll begin to say things like, I have to rather than I get to. I have to go to church rather than I get to go to church. I, I have to give in that offering rather than I get to give in that offering. I have to go to that job rather than I get to go to that job and be a blessing to others. I have to invite someone to church rather than I get to invite someone and in to be a blessing because I'm heaven's representative. I've been a representative of Christ sent to this earth so that others will see him through me. You see, I know it's a minute detail, but when you have that shift in your thinking and you move from I have to do something to I get to do something, it brings a profound difference in your life. We are heaven's representatives. We have been sent. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're sent. Somebody else look at your neighbor and say, did you know God has an assignment for you? Somebody else look at your other neighbor that you did not choose and announce to them the subject matter of our conversation today, and that is, what are you bringing? Say, like, what are you bringing? A secondary title would be, are you the bearer of good news? We're going to stay in this theme, this series that we started last week called Scent. Everybody say Scent. Grab a seat. And what I want to do today with the time that I have left is basically I want to look at an assignment that Paul was on. And I want to compare and contrast the assignment that he found himself on to how we are living the assignment that God has called us to. I'm going to look at the commitment and the faith that Paul had, and I want to compare his faith and commitment to what our faith and commitment is on the assignment that God has placed us on. So I'm going to use the narrative, Acts chapter 14. I'm going to read a few verses just to offer some context and some direction, and then we'll come back and, and dissect it. But and then we'll probably also do a little refresher course from last week. But as Acts chapter 14 unfolds, especially in verse 8, what you have is Paul, the apostle who's been over in different cities, if, if you will. He's traveling from city to city, city to city. He's bringing the message of the gospel because he has an assignment to bring the gospel. So he's over in Iconium, and while he's in Iconium, the leaders of Iconium begin to have a hatred for Paul and the message that he's bringing. So they threaten to kill him. They're going to stone him to death. So Paul flees Iconium, and he goes 21 miles away to a city by the name of Lystra. When he gets to Lystra, we find that there are some very unique things that unfold in the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So I'm going to read a few verses, and then we'll offer some commentary. Here's what it says in verse 8. It says, In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth. He had never walked. 
He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. Hold on a second. When we begin to see this in the context of Paul's ministry, we see that Paul had the miraculous in his ministry. And this is just one of the events that miraculous things took place in his ministry. But what you need to understand was that Paul was not a miracle worker that went from city to city. Paul's mission was to preach the gospel. He was on an assignment. In fact, theologians say that the apostle would go from city to city not looking to have miracles, but looking to bring the gospel. And as a result of preaching the gospel, sometimes miracles took place. Here's what's incredible about this scene is that somehow when Paul is preaching this message, he sees something shift in this lame man's life. He sees a demeanor change. Something changed about this man's manner. His mannerisms were somewhat different for whatever reason. And now here is this man who's been lame from birth, who has not walked, no strength in his feet. And the man is listening to the message that Paul is preaching about Jesus, but somehow there's a shift. And the man no longer sees that the message is about Jesus, but now he begins to believe that the message is from Jesus to him. This is just a side note, but I think somebody needs to hear this in here. When you go into a situation looking for what you can get out of that situation rather than what you can give to that situation, you're going to be disappointed. Paul could have easily have focused upon the difficulties of Iconium because they wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him to death, but rather he was focused on what he could bring to that situation rather than what he could get out of it. It would be easy for him to focus upon the crisis in his life you know, you may want encouragement in your life. And you, when someone doesn't encourage you, you pout. You have a pity party. But God wants you to understand that if you'll bring encouragement, if you'll give encouragement, God will give you encouragement. What's so beautiful is that Paul could have focused upon the crisis in his life, but it says Paul saw. Paul saw there was something about this man. He was ready to be healed. His faith was there. Paul saw. It blows me away that they were trying to take Paul's life. And while they were trying to take Paul's life, Paul was trying to bring life. Verse 10. It says, so Paul called out to him, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. I would have loved to have been there. That had to be an incredible scene. The moment that the inspiration of the word gave way to, to, to instruction. And once the instruction gave way to incarnation. And, and all of a sudden the man is able to get up because the word has become incarnate. And he begins to walk when he ne has never walked before. That has to be a scene. But that scene and that season in that man's life would have never transpired had Paul not been willing to be committed to the assignment of leaving Iconium and walking 21 miles away to Lystra. He, that man would have never walked into a new season had Paul not been willing to be committed to his assignment. I don't know who this is for, but somebody's about to walk into a new season. It's due. Somebody say, it's due. Look at your neighbor and say, it's due. The new season, it's due in my life. Somebody else say, it's due. Somebody else say, it's time. 
Psalms chapter 1, verse 3, God says that he will plant us like trees beside the living waters, and our leaves will not wither, and we will be prosperous in our faith. I love that. He says that he will plant us by like trees beside of living waters, and our leaves will not wither, and we'll be prosperous in our faith. In other words, he's saying that he's going to cause you to be regenerated, refreshed, and restored. Your leaves will not wither, and in due season, you're going to walk into something. So tomorrow, some of you need to realize you've got to walk all up in that job looking good because God said your leaves will not wither. You can walk up in there knowing that you look good because he says he's going to restore your youth. He's going to restore your vigor. You're going to be able to walk up in there and get rid of that beauty cream that you're using tonight because you don't even need it. Somebody say it's time. How many of you know God performs miracles today? So here this man gets up on his feet and begins to walk. But he would not have walked into the new season had Paul not been willing to leave Iconium and walk 21 miles to Lystra. In other words, sometimes the conflict in Iconium will bring about the healing in Lystra. Mm, hold on a second. Let me, let me go deeper because if you'll remember, if you were here last week, I said that God will use the conflict in our lives to build something in us. But if you understand this narrative of Scripture, you will see that also God uses the conflict in our lives to build something in someone else. <laughs> that sometimes he'll use the conflict in our lives, and it's the message that our lives are preaching during the conflict that causes somebody else to realize healing. There are people who are waiting on you to fulfill your assignment, the assignment that God has given you. What I want to do fact, hold on a second. Let me not get ahead of myself. I want to show you something. Just skip with me down to verse 15. Verse 15, I'll come back and fill in the gaps here in a few minutes, but verse 15, something happens. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, friends, why are you doing this? That'll make more sense in a few minutes. We too are only human like you. See, the people have seen this miracle and they think Paul is no longer human, but look what he says. He says, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Look what he says. He says, we are bringing. All I can. Hey, there we go. Paul says, we're bringing you lights, camera, action. We're bringing you the good news. Bringing you the good news. Bringing you the good news. Hold on a second. When I read this, we are bringing you the good news. It made me think about a verse in Scripture that last week we dissected. It's in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, when Paul says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who are sent. He's saying that if you accomplish the assignment of bringing the gospel to someone else's life, then your feet are beautiful. Somebody say, I got beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet? And some of the wives in here looked at the husband and said, oh, I ain't talking about you. <laughs> How 
how beautiful are the feet of those who bring. Now, here's, here's what you need to understand. When Paul wrote that, he was writing that to the church at Rome about their faith responsibilities because they had lost focus of their faith responsibilities. And now here is Luke recording what Paul is saying years later where Paul says, we're bringing you the good news. There's so much commonality there. Here is, he's saying, we, we, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And then later he says, we're bringing you the good news. Paul is on this journey to bring the good news all over the world. And so Luke is recording this journey. But there are four things that I want you to see that you must have in your faith if you want to live the sent life. The very first thing that you need to have, and you need to write this down, is you need to choose. Everybody say choose. Choose to bring the good news. Choose to bring the good news. You see, the people in the early church, the people who tried to kill Paul, the people who tried to extinguish the message, if you will, they could not understand what made Paul tick. How Paul could be so mistreated, how Paul could have such adversity in his life, but yet Paul would not veer from the assignment that God had given him. If he was mistreated, he would display forgiveness. If, if, if he was in a hopeless situation, he would display hope. So much adversity in his life, and no one could figure out exactly what made Paul tick. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul wrote about all of the adversity that was in his life. He synopsized his life in one chapter, and he said, I've gone through so much. He said, I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been thrown into prison. I've been whipped with a cat of nine tails. I've, I've been on the run from bandits. My life in danger. I've been cold. I've, I've been starving. I've been abandoned. But then he says something in that narrative of Scripture that seems to contradict what he says in Romans chapter 10 when he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says something. He says, not only have I suffered all of that, but I have also been beaten with rods three times. Now, last week I told you about that torturous event. But let me refresh your mind. Because that was something that the ancient world used as the most extreme punishment. What they would do is they would tie up the victim's torso, cause them to lie down on their backs. They would lift their legs in the air and take ropes and tie around their ankles and then hoist their legs into the air so that their shoulders are still in contact with the earth's surface. Then they would take a metal bar and beat the bottom of that person's feet until they were broken until they were bloodied, until they were maimed, so that they could not walk. Three different times this happened in the ministry of Paul. Three different times his feet were broken and maimed and could not walk. Three different times, but yet Paul would not throw in the towel. Why? Because he knew that the mission inside of him was greater than what he was going through. So how can a person write, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news when his feet have been so broken? commitment. Compare and contrast your faith and your commitment to the assignment that God has you on with Paul's. Are you committed to church attendance? Are you committed to writing a tithe check? Are you committed to raising your kids in church? Are you committed to serving 
Are you committed to inviting someone to church? Are you committed to, to, to showing someone the gospel through how you live your life? Think about this in the context of Paul's life. Paul writes, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, but his feet have been broken at least three different times. And somehow God miraculously uses him to continue to take the message over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles by foot. There are no trains and cars and planes. So we know that Paul had to suffer adversity as he's trying to carry the message. But yet he would not allow the inconvenience of what was coming against him to stop him. So I have to ask this question. Do we allow inconvenience to stop us? Because if you are a bringer, if you are bringing good news, the good news that is inside of you should compel you to break through the barriers of inconvenience. Choose the good news. Choose the good news. Let me show you something else that happens right after this. In verses 11, we left the guy. He had just been healed. Let me show you what happens. Verse 11, it says, When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lysonian language. Now, the reason why Luke is recording the Lysonian language, he's telling us that Paul and Barnabas had no clue as to what they were shouting. So watch what happens. It says, They're saying the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Verse 13, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was outside of the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates, because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Oh, hold on a second. Here is Paul and bringing the message, but yet the miracle that has just happened has not changed their logic. They're, they still don't know who God is. They're seeing Paul and Barnabas as Zeus and Hermes. Why? Because there was this Greek mythology that said on occasion Zeus and Hermes would come to earth to hang out, if you will, with humans. And in Lystra, more specifically, they had this folklore that said that if Zeus and Hermes came and they were not treated hospitably, then everyone would be killed. So here they go and grab all of, of the bulls and the wreaths, and they're trying to offer them up as a sacrifice, laying the wreaths at Paul's feet. But Paul re realizes what's happening, and he's trying to get them to refocus. He's like, hold on a second, that's not the message. You see, you have to choose to bring the good news, but then you have to focus on the good news. Everybody say focus. Paul is saying that's not the message. The message is the message of Jesus Christ. I came to strengthen the church. I came to build up the church. I came to strengthen the message of Christ. I came to build up the church. Now, you need to understand when Paul was making all of these visits to cities and he's trying to strengthen and build the church, he's not talking about a brick-and-mortar building. But rather, he's talking about a group of people with a common goal and a common bond, a movement of people that want to accomplish a common goal. Can I teach for a minute? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, Jesus says, I will build my church. It is the only place where the word church is used in the Gospel. 
Matthew is written in the Greek, so when Jesus uses the word church in the Greek, that word is ecclesia. Ecclesia means this. It means a group of people with a common goal, a common purpose, a movement of people with a common goal, a common purpose. Everybody say movement. Here's what Ecclesia does not reference. It does not refer to a brick and mortar building. When he says, I came to build my church, he was not talking about building the brick and mortar church, but rather a common goal, a common group of people who are, are, are so committed to the, to the message that they're willing to take that movement and impact the world. They have a life-changing, world-changing mission. In fact, you can look at that in the book of Acts. That is how the early church happened. The book of Acts, it says that 3,000 people gave their hearts to Christ on the day of Pentecost. And then it goes on to say that the Lord added to their numbers daily. It goes on to say later in the book, it says that the movement of, of, of the church became so, so great that God multiplied them. How many of you know God's in the multiplication business? If you read in the very first part of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, it says that they, meaning the people, the church, this movement of people, were committed to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, to fellowship, and they gave to each other as they had need. Therefore, the church building should never stop or extinguish the movement that Christ wants to do. But rather, the church should be a place that we receive the message of Christ. And therefore, rather than the brick and mortar building stopping us, we take what we receive in here and we take it out to our community. Never should the church be a place where the message is extinguished, where the movement is, is halted, but rather it's the place that the movement is every single week you get revitalized so that you can take the message to those who are in need. So the question is, are we moving or are we meeting? The question is, is our community impacted by who we are, or are we serving ourselves? I want to share something with you. I don't know how much time I have to do this, but I want to share this with you. Everybody say, bumper crop. Occasionally, I will hear someone say, oh, man, I just want something deep. I want something, something, something really deep. Can I tell you something? If you're not pouring out of you what God has already poured into you, your, your, your life's not going to get any deeper spiritually because you're not pouring out of you what he's already poured into you. That's just the way he set this thing up. God understands that if he can get it through you, then he'll get it to you. Are you with me? Everybody say, bumper crop. Say it really loud, bumper crop. So on November 19th, everybody say bumper crop again. This is, I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but last year we had a goal of 12,000 pounds. I think we exceeded that goal by a few pounds, and we pitted the first service against the second service to see who could bring the most food. You see, every week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we feed people in our community who are in need. The last Tuesday night of the month, we served them a hot meal. It takes a lot of food in our partnership with several agencies that we work with to make that happen. And so this year, again, we're asking you 
to bring some food. You can grab these bags underneath the tent on the way out, fill them with food, as much, many bags as you want, one bag or ten bags. Some people bring, actually one person, I think, or two people last year brought a pallet of food. Everybody say a pallet. So we're asking you to bring as many bags as you can on November 19th. Take those bags out of your trunk, place them at your bumper. The ushers will come along after you have placed them there, and they'll get those bags, weigh those bags, and then we'll see who can win between first service and second service. Everybody say bumper crop. Everybody say, I'm, I'm going to bring a bag. Everybody say the first service is going to beat the second service. You wouldn't believe this, but in the first service, I did the opposite. And they were like, yeah, the second service is going to win. Oh, no, 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 no. The Tuesday before Thanksgiving, we're doing something called Operation Compassion. Last year, Operation Compassion, we're feeding our community, those who are in need, a Thanksgiving meal. Last year, we fed over 3,000 people. Over 3,000 people received a blessing because of you. We feed low-income areas. We feed anyone who needs it. We also feed at the hospital and the police departments, the fire stations, just to thank them. This year, we're hoping to do well over 3,000 people, but that takes hundreds of turkeys. Everybody say turkey. Gobble, 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 gobble. So we need you. It takes roughly $6,000 to make this event happen. And so I'm asking you if you would just buy a turkey or buy 10 turkeys. A turkey's $10. You'll buy a turkey or 10 turkeys or 10% of a turkey or whatever it is that you can buy or 100 turkeys. If you want to give $1,000, give $1,000. If you want to, we just want you to write your name on this and, and say that I'm going to buy some turkeys so that we can do what God has called us to do. How many of you know we're sent? Everybody say we're sent. Operation Compassion, help us with that. Help us raise the funds. Help us raise awareness. Help us work that day. It takes hundreds of people to make that event happen because it takes a lot to feed over 3,000 people. How many of you know that's true? And then there's one other thing that I wish I had more time to share with you. This has just been unfolding recently. I was able to mention it to you last week, but I have more information on it this week. There is now an epicenter extension site in David, Panama. It's the wrong colors, but that's all right. That's what the Panamanian government had us do, but I don't have time to really go into this, but the church, Epicenter Church in Panama is in the town of David, go figure, the northern part of Panama. God has called us to take the message of the gospel around the world. How many of you know that? And I wish I had time to tell you how all of this came about. Three years ago, there was a lady who was sitting here in service, and at the end of service, she came up to me. I was able to meet with her family this past week. And she handed me this little note. It had several scripture verses on it and some th stuff that I didn't fully grasp. And this week, you know, we've been talking about this. She called me several months ago and said, hey, listen, God told me that 
that um, you're to be involved in this ministry, this church, this, this outreach, and I'll tell you about the outreach here in a second, in Panama, and okay, we'd love to help, and so this past week, she said, you remember I gave you that note three years ago, and I said, yeah, and she said, well, that day, God said, you were the man to run this ministry, and that you would know what to do with it. Okay. Right beside of our church in Panama is a school. The people are so poor there that they offer no food at school. So what we're hoping to do, one of the things that we're going to do with that is we've already hired a director there, and that person will feed and facilitate food for those kids who live there, which there are hundreds and hundreds of kids. And so we're going to be able to get the gospel into them. They'll have a church service. They'll have all of these things. We did some checking this week, and there is not one Assemblies of God missionary in Panama, not one, but now there's a church. see, are we meeting or are we moving? Because God has an assignment for us. After the first of the year, we're going down. I'm taking a team down because we're trying to open this ministry up in the spring of the year. And we're going to see what God's vision is. This, this lady said, once we're finished building this, and they have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this. Once we finish, we're just giving you the keys. And we want you to facilitate ministry in Panama for those who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to put together a plan, and it's going to require you guys. Why? Because we're sent. You see, if you really go back and you look at this narrative of Scripture in Luke chapter 14, you see that Paul has all of this adversity in his life, but he would not allow the adversity that was in his life to keep him from realizing how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Sometimes the enemy will take conflict in your life, and he'll place it there, so that in the windshield of life, so that you will lose focus of your responsibility. Are you with me? I don't know who this is for, but it's incredible when you look at this passage of Scripture that, that God gives us this theological discourse on how we're to take the, the message, the gospel message, and have beautiful feet, if you will, to, a, to, to people who need it when we might need the message ourselves. If you think about Paul for a moment, Paul was going through a crisis but yet he was more concerned about the people of Lystra. Let me go deeper. God will ask some of you to display and exemplify and demonstrate the message of Christ, even though the manifestation of your life looks different than the beautiful message that's in your heart. God will ask you to display, demonstrate, and exemplify the beautiful message that's inside of your heart, even though the season in your life doesn't look so beautiful. How in the world could Paul write about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news when his feet had been broken up time and time and time again? Can I tell you how? Because he knew that the message that was in his heart was more beautiful than what was happening to his life. So in verse 17, let me show you something. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, well, let me pick up in verse 14. It says, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes. Basically, Paul is showing them that we're human. And he's also showing them that, that what you're saying in, about us is it, 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 bringing blasphemy on God because he says, friends, he said they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human. 
like you. And we're bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from those worthless things. Why? Because in the past, it says in verse 16, he let all nations go their own way. Verse 17, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with the plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Somebody say, it's my season. It's my season. It says he gives to you. You see, he's trying to get them to focus on the message that God gives. God gives. God gives. Everybody, you with me? God gives. God does give. His grace is more than enough. When sin abounds in your heart, his grace abounds even more. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What he's trying to show us is this. What he's trying to show us is once you lose sight of all that God has already given you, it will cause you to give up on the assignment that you have right now. Some of you are giving up on your marriage. You're giving up on your relationships. You're giving up on your career. You're giving up on your kids. But it's time to stand up and remember all that God has already given you. In your ability to stand up and remember, it will enable you to look the devil in the eye and say, you're not taking one more thing. You've already taken enough. You've already taken my time. You've stressed me out. You've caused me to worry. But I know my season is coming in because God God waters my crops and he fills my heart with joy. Lord have mercy. But what Paul is saying, one of the foundational premises of this passage of scripture is this. He's saying that we all receive from God. God gives us all gifts. We all receive from God. But we also need to be willing to give so that others receive. So first is choose the good news. Choose to bring the good news. Second is focus on the good news. Third is finish the work. Somebody say finish. Look at verses 19 and 20. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 19 says, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. You remember we started out talking about that Paul was in Iconium and they, he ran off. He had to flee, if you will, Iconium. Why? Because they were trying to stone him to death. So now this group comes and won the crowd over. So they stoned Paul and they dragged him outside the city thinking that he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Hold on for a second. Did you grab that? It says, after he's bringing the good news, they stone him to death. There's several things that are happening here. If you understand anything about the event of being stoned to death, they didn't do that to hurt you. They did that to kill you. They would only stop stoning you when they knew for a fact that you were dead. When your face was bashed in, your skull was cracked. Paul, they drag him outside of the city gates so that the wild animals will eat his carcass. And the Bible says that the disciples came and gathered around him. It doesn't say that he was resurrected. Most theologians believe that he was, that he was dead or else they wouldn't have left him there. Most theologians believe that this is the moment that Paul had his dream about heaven. 
But the part that really stands out to me is that once Paul was resurrected, what did Paul do? He went right back to Lystra to finish the work. Mm. Hold on a second, because something happened a little bit later in Lystra that I have to show you. Hold your finger there and go over to Acts chapter 16. So, you have choose, you have focus, you have finish. Choose, focus, finish. But watch what happens. Chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came to Derbe and then back to Lystra. This is sometime later, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Now, hold on a second. If you know anything about Paul, you know that Paul had this incredible helpmate in Timothy so now he goes back to the very place that stoned him to death to bring Timothy into the fold because there is an assignment oh my lord the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy Paul wanted to take him along on the journey so he circumcised him because of the Jews who skip down to the next less painful verse Verse 4, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Oh, my Lord. Hold on a second. All of that conflict and all of that adversity, but yet Paul said, I came to bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to do something so different. I want you to link arms with someone beside of you. Just, just put your, your arm in theirs. I want, to, I want us to all link arms. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. If there's not anyone beside of you, move. If there's someone that doesn't have someone with their arm linked in theirs, place your hand upon their shoulder. Don't leave anyone out. I need you to grab this. been sent the gospel message of Jesus Christ has been placed with inside of you and you've been sent to that relationship sent to that job that place that seems to be beating you up every day God has sent you there because the message that is inside of you is more beautiful than what's happening around you and it's that message that will change the heart of man. You've been sent. You see, the impact that God wants to make in our community, it's not going to happen through me. It happens through you. Because you step every day in places that God hasn't sent me to. But God chose you Father today pray over your people God may you bless them may you touch them 
May you anoint them. May you open doors, God, in their lives that no man can close and close doors that no man can open. May, God, may you bless their lying down and their rising up. Bless them in the city and in the field. God, may you let them see the place that they find themselves every day is a place that you've sent them to and that you've placed the strength and the message within their hearts. And God, they can do what you've called them to do. And God, even though the adversity may be around us, it's through that that we live your message and people are changed. God, we want to live that sent life. So God, give to them divine appointments. Bless them with miracles. Touch them, God with your passion and everybody in this place gives God praise by beating your hands together and showing him a love